Welcome to the Hockey Town West podcast. Here to talk all things Griffins, Firebirds, and Walleye are your hosts, Nick Harrington and Brandon Cook. Happy Sunday, sir. Happy snowy Sunday. Holy crap. I, I shoveled Friday in between the periods of hockey. And I'm glad I did because the amount of snow we got last night had like doubled what we got Ooh, <laughs> Thursday I, night. I, like Thursday or fr- Friday night, whatever night the first round of the storm came through, it was supposed to be like the worst part of it. And I feel like we got way more snow last night. I woke up uh, to use the bathroom in the middle of the night. I think it was like 4.35 in the morning. I looked outside. I was like, I can't see my garage, which is right in front of my window. So oh. like it was coming down man yeah it's wild my roommate texted me this morning he's like uh don't leave the house if you don't have to today i was like i didn't plan on it i haven't left since uh friday so well anyways yeah hello everybody welcome to the uh hockey town west podcast i'm one of your hosts brandon i'm nick and it is lions playoff sunday wow i'm I'm more excited for this game than us talking about what happened in the last two games yeah, let's Griffin. get through this quick so we can get ready for the game. We do have a, a special thing this episode. We got Devin joining us midway through the episode today, so that'll be fun for us. We'll let him talk with us about prospects, his thoughts on things, maybe throw some potential trade ideas at him. It'll get weird. It'll be a fun one. I think uh, we're both looking forward to this interview. I'm very excited. I have oh, I've, we've shot some messages back and forth on Twitter, but I've never talked to him, never met him. Uh, his it is Devin Little, so I was correct on the Patreon episode where I was like, Devin L, I swear. So I, I did uh, a little bit of research today and got that copy. Congrats on getting our guest's name right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So oh, uh, I love it. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited for that. That'll be good. And um, we love connections. We love connecting and talking hockey with all sorts of different people. So um, and we're trying to get some more. Uh, people on here as well maybe listeners can shoot us a message and ask us you know tell us who do they like to be on yeah that was kind of our goal this year is to you know get more people on the pod get more people exposed to the griffins and uh we're off to a decent start this year between tyler and then being on grind line and we'll have devin i know we'll get elaine and andrew rinaldi back on here at some point in time and uh hopefully some player interviews this year so things are moving quickly but it's fun it makes it a lot more fun Doing yeah. edits where we have a guest are significantly more fun than just hearing our two voices for the 50th time. Speaking of 50th, it is episode 50 of this podcast, sir. Holy moly. Did you ever think we'd get this far? No, not a chance. We came <laughs> from recording in my bedroom, sharing one microphone to being able to be on this great network that we're on, making the great connections we've made over the past year. Uh, and episode 50 came right before the year anniversary. February is going to be the year, but this is uh, it's a big milestone for us. I'm pretty pumped. We should have did something. We are doing something. We should have like cake or cookie. I don't know. Well, you said you got, you got yourself a cookie yesterday and didn't send me one. So that's your fault. I don't know. I don't know what probably to tell you there. Griffins probably would have played better too. Yeah, the cookie curse is back. Um but yeah, for those wondering what the heck we're talking about, we did our first uh, live stream watch along last night. Thank you to the over 170 of you that tuned in at some point in time. We appreciate you guys. We had no clue what we were doing, and we just kind of talked about the game as we went. And we'll do more of those in the future, especially with the away games. I know we can't stream the actual game content, unfortunately. Uh, we would get sued so quickly. But at the same time, 
we can sit there and talk about it, let you guys know what's happening, have a fun conversation. There's ways for everyone to chime in and leave their comments too. So we'll do more of that in the future with more planned notice. We just kind of threw it together with the crappy weather. I just looked out the window again and it just started snowing harder again. And it's just a never ending cycle over here. But yeah, with the weather and we didn't, we didn't end up going to the games this weekend. It's also probably why they lost our presence wasn't in the arena. Sorry folks. Uh, but you probably would have got called more penalties too if you were there, always chirping yeah. at the refs. I like chirping at the refs. That always that always comes with some liquid courage. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I I mean our plan like it was probably to do more to do it up for away games since we'll both be here and we're season ticket holders, so we're at most of the games, uh, the home games. But um, just have kind of like a watch party if you. Our season ticket holder, you've got the AHL TV package. If you're not, if you do have the AHL TV package, you can, you know, have that go in, watch us on the side, and uh, while we kind of thoughts commentate, talk, talk hockey, uh, we answer questions throughout. And uh, yeah, it was fun. And, uh, we'll continue. I hope. <laughs> yeah. No, I had fun doing it. It was a lot to talk for three hours straight. I'm not used to that, but at the same time. You know, we had plans for a couple of guests to join us that kind of fell through due to some technical difficulties. Again, first time, we really don't know what we're doing. So we'll figure that stuff out, iron out the details and uh, add some production value to it a little bit and be able to uh, show highlights on screen and figure We figured out some new tools even in the middle of recording that. So it was fun. I had fun with it. I know you had fun with it. And uh, that pizza afterwards was delicious. So. Yeah, you got some buddy. I'm still trying to decide where my pizza's coming from tonight. So maybe buddies one might be the the option. I'm mad at myself for eating that yesterday. I was like, I ate the buddies Detroit style pizza the day before the Detroit Lions game. Like I should have <laughs> saved that for the Lions game. It would have just been perfect. Classic. Speaking of the Lions game, you excited? I'm excited. I think they're gonna win. Everybody picked them to lose, just about. So I think that's the perfect recipe for a win right there. I watched. I don't know if you watched the Dan Campbell thing I sent you earlier, but if you, yeah. that that got me a little, that got me going. So I'm excited. Dan always gets me going, man. Come on. Yeah. Uh, I, I need to, to, I need to like show up at my house and give me a pep talk every single morning. Oh uh, yeah, that that would probably help me get out of bed in the morning too. <laughs> <laughs> I, my my concern is if the Lions do win this game tonight is what time they get scheduled for next week because the Wings are in town on Sunday at 5. So, logistically, it might become a nightmare for anybody that's going to the Wings game for the Jake Wallman Creedy Bobblehead. And Including us. My birthday party. And trying to go to the Lions. That might be... I, we, we got a hotel. We're, stay, we're staying in Detroit Sunday night. So I did not. I'm not also doing a crazy weekend like you. Uh, I'm not worried about what time I get back. I have the day off uh, after, so I'm not super concerned about it. We'll we'll get back when we get back, as long as the weather holds up. But I'm more concerned about to get that bobblehead if we don't land in our usual spot there. That is a secret. Yep. Uh, we will uh, have to stand out in the cold. It's supposed to be like two degrees. No way. Oh, yeah, it's supposed to be really cold next week. I did see a little bit of that. So, yeah, um, I mean, it's cold today. I went outside and when I looked at my phone, it said negative six was the wind chill. So, jeez. Yeah, that yeah, Lions game is going to put a lot of wrenches and plans and uh, hopefully we'll know tonight what's going on. Well, I mean, we'll, well, we'll know tonight. We'll know. We yeah, will. by the time you guys listen to this, you guys will know. 
You'd be like, Nick's screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's cover the bad now. <laughs> Do we have to? I don't yeah. want to. Can we just so, skip this weekend didn't happen, burn the tape. It never it never happened, man. I don't know what you're talking about. There was no Griffins game played. Weather canceled it. It didn't exist. They should have. They would have been smarter. I don't understand why they didn't because the the organization would have made way more money uh with two dollar beer, two dollar hot dog. Uh, because not a whole lot of people show up to this game. Well, honestly though, Friday night I was quite shocked by how many people showed up to the game. So five thousand people. <laughs> yeah, Grand Rapids played Rockford Ice Hogs Friday and Saturday this weekend. Uh, 5,000 people, 5,288 people showed up for the Friday game in the middle of a snowstorm. No uh, my biggest concern was when I was watching the game at home, I'm like, oh my God, the roads are trash and I see a lot of $2 beers in hand. I am terrified for everybody that is getting home. Oh <laughs> no. So yeah, that happened. Griffins dropped Friday night 2 nothing. We'll start with this game here. This was probably... The worst Bemo. game I've seen in my entire life since Ben Simon yeah. coached us. <laughs> I thought he was behind the bench again. I thought he came back with, from Iowa with the team and he coached Friday night. Yeah, I thought after we beat Iowa that they traded bench bosses because that was uh, uninspiring, flat. Like the Griffins just played like they were in the snow. Um, they got four shots in the first period. Very unlike Dan Watson's team. Uh, we gave up 22. In the first period. Let's talk PK, because let's talk the positive. Let's start there. Let's start with something positive that came out of this game. The Griffins did have five power plays to kill off for Rockford there, and they succeeded with all of them. With a night where defense was so suspect in how they were playing, and obviously we knew the offense wasn't there, the the power the penalty kill there, I, I, I want to give the credit to the PK units that were out there. But really, the best penalty killer, who always needs to be your best penalty killer, was Sebastian Cosa. Yeah, he stood well. on his head on the penalty kill. And, yeah, I mean, overall, in the whole game, he played outstanding hockey. We'll get to that, too. But PK, I just wanted to bring up first, because that was a pain point for a minute again. And it seems to have resolved itself over these past two ga- or past three games now. And we're on the right track. But Kosa bailed the guys out a lot that night. I'm not giving full credit in this night's PK to the penalty killing units. It was Kosa. So obviously the transitions to my next point here where Sebastian Kosa, despite a 2-0 loss, only one of those goals was scored against him. Another game where he's only allowed one goal against. He gets absolutely shelled in the first period. Like you said, 22 shots against. And the game, we come out of that period 0-0. Like the team owes a mistake dinner based off the first period alone. And yet he continued to just play so, so well through the rest of the game. The one goal that got past him, there was nothing he could do about it. Absolutely nothing. So I'm, I'm proud I'm proud of him. I'm, I like seeing where he's going. He's really stringing together some really good hockey lately. And as we'll talk about the second game, I wish he would have gotten back-to-back starts this weekend. I think this was the weekend to give it to him. He has the hot hand against this Rockford team. Um he has the only wins against this Rockford team this season. And I don't know. He, he's just, he's, he's on the right track folks. Like where everyone's kind of wondering where Kosa's development's at. And he's taking some gigantic steps post Christmas right now. Yeah. I thought Kosa played well. Kosa was, he stood on his head, uh, a lot of scrambling, you know, goal mouth because Rockford got quality shots against us. Um, both nights, I mean, a lot of them were coming towards the goal mouth, the crease, uh, right in between the face-off circles, those high-quality shots. And Costa stood on his head on 
on the first night. Second night, yeah, I wish I wish they would have just rode with Costa again uh, because he did do really well that first. He's got the only two. He's got the only win against Rockford. Both games that Hutch has played, we've gotten shut out. <laughs> so we want the shutout. We don't want them to shut us out. Uh, so I, I thought Coast played well. Continue to ride the hot hand, but we haven't seen that very much with Dan Watson. He's alternating them. There was one game that Hutch did back to back. There was a, two uh, two games right in a row, but I haven't. He hasn't really continue to do that and i don't know if i can't remember if hutch was up with detroit at the time or or not. yeah no the times he ran coast back to back the only time he's done that this season is when hutch was in detroit yeah and he only ran and he think ran it was, i don't think it was back-to-back nights though i don't think the griffins played back-to-back no. nights during that stretch i think it was like a wednesday friday kind of situation and then yeah back saturday so um yeah, I mean, they're still, I mean, I can appreciate them staying consistent of sticking to the game plan of keeping Coase, you know, fresh for his starts instead of riding them back to back. But um, it's always motivated. It's always like the vibes. What are the vibes right now? Like for Costa, like, was he playing well? Put him back in. I mean, Dan sees him every day, so he could kind of tell like, hey, he had a rough night last night. We're not going to put him again. Like, I, I don't know what is, or he's just sticking with the system of rotating him out every night. So I think he is thinking with the system of rotate him and keep rotating him. That's what he did with him and left him in last year. No matter which one of them had the hot hand, he just kept rotating him. So I see that as his trend there. Now, while I was talking about coast, you, you doubled back to the penalty kill there and you found some updated statistics there. Cause we've talked before that the penalty kill was last in the league and you said some movement has happened, right? Yeah. Penalty kill. They are now, they moved up to 27th. So not great, but, it's trending in the right direction. They've, I mean, even for last night's game, they killed all three. So, I mean, they, that's a big positive over the weekend is stopping what eight, eight penalty kills. Um, didn't seem as aggressive as they were the last previous games of like trying to score on the short. Uh, so I don't know if Dan stopped that spiff, you know, a little bonus incentive to try to score on the shorthand. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it, we didn't like see that. that. Yeah. But yeah, Rockford is um, a little bit different style too that we saw. So yeah, I'm very curious too. Oh no, they 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 allowed one power play goal for Milwaukee on Wednesday. Okay, so one out of their last ten PKs, they failed at. So (laughs) power play, they're up to seven. They're nine for ten. So in power play, they're up to seventh in the league. They're up to seven, even though that they didn't get a goal. This week. Oh, they got one goal, sorry, last yep. night. Yep. Yeah, that's a massive improvement in the special teams there. I mean, the penalty kill is going to take some time to dig out of the hole it was in, so it's good to see that. And yeah, like you said, both Friday and Saturday, they didn't allow Rockford to score a power play goal, and we were able to convert one on Saturday, so that's a huge plus there. Friday's game, any any other, like, this is, this is an honest question here, and I don't think I have the answer to it, but do you have any other standout player outside of Sebastian Kosa? I really didn't see nobody else was really like stand out to me. It that game was a burn the tapes. I mean, Costa stood on his head after the first period of saving 22 shots. I was like, okay, he's gonna, he's on his, he's, he's feeling it. He's on it. We might, if we could, the second periods have not been great with Grand Rapids, but we did come out and get 10 more. Sh- we got 10 shots on goal. So we doubled what we had in the first and we limited Rockford to only six, which was huge improvement. But I thought after the second period, they were going to be able to come out 
and Grand Rapids was going to take it to them. Eh, not really. Our, our second period is so bad, but they played better in the second period, even though they gave up the goal in the first 20 seconds. Once that goal happened, the, the, the train was off the tracks. Like, it wasn't getting any better. They weren't playing any better. Yeah, I mean, when I ask you, you know, who's your standout player? Obviously, you said Casper had that goal line stop. Thank God it would have been a 3 nothing game. So thank God for him playing some good defense, at least for a moment there. But um, it's it's a brutally brutal honesty time here. There was no standouts in this game. The top lines were ugly. The bottom lines just didn't do anything. They just were there. Coase gave, gave the team an opportunity where he was going to finally steal a win for this team, and they freaking blew it. Like, There's no other way around it. So that's my final thoughts for Friday. I'm going to move straight to Saturday now because at least that was a little bit better performance from Grand Rapids. But Friday, yep, like you said, burn the tapes. That game never happened. And as we learned during the pregame interview or mid-first period interview with Dan Watson on Saturday, that's kind of how he approached it with the team. Dan Watson stated blatantly that he felt the Milwaukee game on Wednesday rattled the team a little bit and shook their confidence levels. And it, it showed, and he was hoping that they would just be able to you know, move on from that. But Friday they couldn't, and Saturday it was a real like, all right, we got to forget everything that happened there. Start fresh. Here we go. Wipe the slate clean. And they did better. It wasn't pretty still. But they did better. This Rockford team, it should be said, this Rockford team is a good hockey team. They're very fast. They're very skilled. They have some really high-skilled players on there. Uh, it's no surprise the Chicago Blackhawks farm team is good. Like They're not good right now. They're trying to rebuild their whole organization, so they're going to have some good pieces down in the AHL. But you know, in this game, Griffins ended up dropping this one 3-2 to two in overtime. Thank God we could steal a point here. But, I mean, it's so heartbreaking to see Rockford tie this game up with five minutes left in the game. I just I just didn't understand how we got to that point. The only thing that made me even more frustrated by that was when we watched the replay over and over again, and you see a complete defensive breakdown by the team where Sini just gets in around everybody, walks right in and needs to fire it on Hutch. Like I, I don't understand what the lack of defense was across the board. It was a terrible game. I mean, they gave more of a shit, I would say. <laughs> Than they did yeah, Friday. Had, had a little bit more give a shit. There was zero give a shit on Friday. Yeah. The I mean, we said that they would split. So we were good there. Got oh no, sorry. We said they would split and they didn't get it. They didn't get any. Uh so hopefully when we play them not this Wednesday, but the next home game Wednesday, we're able to steal a point or get both. Uh because Rockford did shoot up the standings on us. But I mean Penalty kill, like we said last, did well. Killed all three penalties. One, so it was good to see, the, again, like you said, good to see PK being good. Good to see a power play goal in there, continuing to shoot up the ranks on there, which is nice. You know, some standouts for this one out of this game, some key points we need to bring up here. You know, the Griffins got goals from guys that needed to get some goals. Dominic Shine got his fifth of the season. Gettinger got his ninth. We've been begging for Gettinger to get on the score sheet again, and his wheels were moving in this game. He was playing really well. Just flying up and down the ice. I've never seen Gettinger play this fast. Like the team shared their pregame photos, and he walked in with two venti Starbucks iced coffees. Like oh, this boy was ready to go. Uh, on Shiner's goal there, uh, Les Brown's got his 200th AHL point. That was pretty cool to see. So good for him. And, you know, Bergie and Zarnik got assists on the Gettinger goal on the power play there. So, I mean, there's, there's some good out of this game, but defensively, again, just an ugly, ugly game. 
I really, I really don't understand what suddenly changed with our defense to where on both sides of the puck, we're just not playing it all of a sudden. Like, like we said, the Sini goal, he was wide open. And then the overtime winner, I've watched that back now probably 10, 11 times, and I still don't understand how everything got lost in translation there. Like, Johansson did a great job staying with his man, but Berggren and uh, Zarnik just got lost in the shuffle there and allowed Rockford to walk in. They just played the back-and-forth game until they saw a gap, and they shot the gap, and we got a goal. So it's... It's more of that first lot, those first line offensive players just not being able to play a two way game right now. They're playing one side of the puck and not the other. And unfortunately, we had two of them out in the ice at the exact same time in a three on three situation. Who who are you saying that's more on the offensive side out of those three? Johansson and Bergen? No, I'm saying Gonzarnik and Bergen. Oh. You know, they're producing on the offensive side of the puck. They both had points in this game. They continue to produce points this season, but on the defensive side of the puck, these past three games, that top line of Bergie, Zarnik, and Mazer, they are struggling defensively. I mean, this is back-to-back-to-back games where they're all minuses. Yeah. That's That's a concern to me, is that these top guys that are supposed to be generating offense, yes, they're generating some, but they're not generating enough to offset their defensive mistakes at this point. Like, we love the Bergie, Zarnik, uh, Mazer line, but dude, someone's got to play defense, right? Who's getting back? Are you, you would assume it's going to be Sarnik because he's playing the center role and he's had that time in the NHL. So you would say that his his game's more defined, more well rounded. But um, yeah, this weekend he's he left with both games as a negative. He was on the ice for both, uh, yeah, both goals for Friday. Sorry, both goals on Saturday. I'm switching in between both games. And both goals Saturday, too. That's what you said. Both goals on Saturday. Saturday and Friday. Both goals, really? Yeah. He was a so minus two. Was... He was a minus two for uh, Saturday night and a minus two Friday night. Crazy, too. Yeah, because he was, I mean, he was obviously on the ice for one of our goals, but he was on the ice for all three of Rockford's goals on Saturday. And all two of theirs on Friday. That's crazy. So the top line was out there for all of the Rockford Ice Hog goals this weekend. Yep. Yep. That's a concern, man. That's that's bad. That is not what you want to see. Our first line has been it's been a mess because like even when Tara was here, we we're still giving up goals like crazy on that. When it was him and uh Try to think of who else was on those lines with him. With Taro. Taro, Gettinger. And Speech? On the top line? Yeah. No, it was Taro, Gettinger, and Bergie or Zarnik, depending on the time. I mean, hopefully Taro's coming back soon. It's crazy. I don't know. Like, we've got two weeks where we're like, this line's crazy good. And then it's like, okay, then they just crap the bed. So, I mean, is it just Rockford figured them out? The other thing we've been seeing in the last three games is they've just been getting pushed. They've been getting bullied. This is the continuation of what we talked about all season, how this team doesn't pivot anything until it gets too bad. We don't pivot on the PK until it gets really bad. We don't pivot on the power play until it gets really bad. We're not pivoting on our lines until it gets really bad. Yes, they were shaking up a little bit, but that top line and the second line didn't move for, between Friday and Saturday. The only thing we didn't do was go 11-7 and seven on Saturday. That was it. 
Right. And so, I we talked after the game, too, and I'm like, I don't understand why they didn't just keep going with what the roster that they had, the lineup that they had for the last five games. They switched. No, now we're telling, but... no, we switched it up, and now we're on a three-game losing streak. Like, Right. And there's no way you can tell me that a Brogan Rafferty call-up decimated us that badly on Saturday. <laughs> like, what? No. So, it, the only thing I can think of, too, with that situation, though, is Vero is not – he's more injured than what was led on. Because when he came back, he scored that goal, and then we didn't really see him after the game. So I'm assuming, like, if he's out, Brogan's out, we still have New Power, and who else still sat? New Power and Vero, yeah. And Vero. And Vero's Then Rafferty was up. We're assuming Vero was hurt. Vero was hurt. Yeah. So. I I mean, I don't know. I, I echoed my frustrations to you off air last night afterwards because I was just pissed. Like, Oh, yeah, you were, you were super ticked. This isn't how this team should be playing. Like, it's not. They are better than this. They know they're better than this. And, you know, I appreciate, you know, the pivot and the lines and everything yesterday. But at the same time, if there's one criticism I have of Dan Watson, but it's also a positive, is that, yeah, he doesn't play the blender in the middle of the game like, you know, a Blaschel or a Ben Simon did. But at the same time, when things aren't working on the spot, you've got to be able to correct. Doing the same thing over and over again in game is not going to solve the problem. If this team has you figured out that well and you can't even break out into their zone, change something on the spot. Shift two guys around and see what happens. Shift three guys. I'm not asking you to change the whole dang roster out there, but shift a couple pieces around. Oh, you're noticing you're lacking on speed on the top line. Okay, throw Amadeus in the top line for a couple shifts and see what happens. Yeah. See if we're able to break out a little bit. Oh, we're struggling in the faceoff dot with this line. Cool. Throw Casper on that line. See what happens because he did well in the faceoffs this weekend. Where are you oh, we need some size on the top line. Throw Elmer up there and see. Tell him to throw his dang body around. Let him off his leash and let him go. Pivot. Like moving a couch and friends, man. Pivot. But for <laughs> real, like, what more can we? Like, this team is too talented to be playing this badly. I don't understand. Well, you mentioned too. I would just—I just want to put the box back out there for you. Is that you were kind of complaining a little bit about the system last night? Is that I did you want to change the system, Brandon, or you think it's good the way it is? Do you like that the, all well, three teams play the same system? Do you hate it? Like, what? What do you think? No, I don't. You... So let me preface this because I obviously was frustrated last night, but at the same time, yeah, you you know, you're going to open the door for you're going to open the door for me. I'm going to walk in this door. As you so should. it's not just that I don't think. No, I don't want to open the door. I opened my front door for five minutes and my storm door froze. It is a, <laughs> my windows are iced over. I don't know what happened. Uh, anyways. Yeah, I mentioned last night, like, you know, it's not, I didn't start with saying that I think the system is bad. All you ever see on Twitter from the trolls and everyone else that likes to complain is that, oh, the Griffins lost two like that? Man, it must be the they run the same crappy system because a lot of people think Lalone's system is crap. Some people do, some people don't. I don't personally think it's the worst system in the world. But at the same time, if the Red Wings are going on a stretch doing the same thing that we're doing and neither of us are pivoting and we're all losing, why aren't we changing something? That's the thing. There's no sense of urgency to change. We stick to our guns and go. And that's a problem. Teams are but, figuring these teams out way too quickly. A team would run through Grand Rapids in a playoff series right now. Yeah, I would. I don't know if I would agree with that. I mean, if we're playing Rockford, then yeah, they they would run right through us. Or Milwaukee. Milwaukee, they're going to bully us right out the door. 
We're playing Texas. They're going to outscore us by six goals a game. We're playing Rockford. They're going to outshoot us and outscore us in the first period alone. We just got to hope that Iowa is still severely depleted with injuries and we got to play them. That's literally what we're hoping for. And we hope Chicago just continues to implode and then Manitoba's doing Manitoba things. I don't know. It's really cold up there too. They might be lost. Yeah, they're, they've been on a slide too. So, which is literally, it's icy out there. I don't know. I just need, I, there's got to be a spark. It's it's the sixth episode of the season that we're saying, oh, someone's got to find the spark of the team and light it. Who's it going to be? I'm sick of saying that. Yeah. I mean, the only the only guy you see standing up for everybody is Dadaya. You've been seeing, um, Shai's been doing it now. Who was that? Didier. Josiah Didier. <laughs> I'll just try to see if you're still paying attention. Um, Shine, I mean, Shine's gotten on a roll too. He's been kind of sticking up a little bit, but there's just not, I don't know. I don't know what it is. We we need to see a light. We need to see a spark. We need something. Uh, it's not even about sticking up for the guys. It's about just playing the game that they're capable of playing. It's like they're all playing at half speed. We looked at the guys after midway through the first period on Friday, and it looked like they just got done shoveling their driveway. They were gassed. Yeah, they were gassed. Like, are we? Is the arena low on funds, and they had to shovel the sidewalk outside before the game? Hell, hope not. Right, like, dude, that was nice of them to do if they did. (laughs) Just wish they would have played better hockey. I don't know. Final thoughts before we jump into our interview here with Devin, or we'll be much cheerier. I promise, folks. The no, I'm looking right now. Goals against in in the Central Division, and we're at 102. There's only two teams that have. Uh, let less goals in, which is Texas and Milwaukee, which Milwaukee kind of makes sense, right? Um, right. Only 82 I mean, goals against, and we're at 102. So, I mean, the, the it's not all bad, you know. We no, just, like goals we against need to is score fine. More. We definitely just need to score more. And we're still third in the division at that, too. Texas, Milwaukee, and then us. But it's a huge gap. And we, you and I looked at this last night, too. It's like, we have how many 10 goal scores? Two. Three? Two? Oh, it was, it was uh, it was hold two. on. Hold on. 10 goals, 10 goal or higher? Yeah, it's two. It's Carter Mazur with 10 and Joel Esperance with 11. Everybody else is, well, I'm sorry, then Tim Gettinger's nine, and then there's one guy at eight, and then it drops to six. Like, we're just not getting the scoring on the other lines. They they shut down our first line. We're, we're kind of screwed. So... We do need, yeah, we need more scoring. We need more depth. I mean, looking at the goals for real, just to wrap this this little portion up is Texas has 124, Milwaukee has 112, and then we have 97. Like, that's a huge drop. The Wolves are at 93. Here's your, here's your, you know, here's what goes into that. We have two guys in the team that are point per game or close to a point per game. That's Bergie, who is a true point per game player right now. And Hiroshi, who's out, who's 0.92 points per game. The drop-off from there, besides, you know, the guys that have played, you know, one or two games or whatever, we're talking, you know, guys who played more than 10 games. The drop-off from, oh, I'm sorry, then Austin Zarnick, 0.87 points per game. Then the drop-off goes to 0.63 points per game. That's that's uh, Simon Edmondson. Everybody else is 0.57 or below points per game right now. Yeah, we've the scoring isn't there from like some kids. Some of these kids are going to need to start ripping the puck through the net at this point to 
catch their stats up this year to even get close. Like we talked, you know, Rogan Rafford, he's a guy who's not even near his points pace for uh, with Coachella last year. Obviously a very different team. Yeah, very different team. But at the same time, like, we're just, yeah, the offense isn't there and the defense is lacking. And when we're That's not scoring four, we're not winning. So, like, that that was kind of our fear the last two nights is we could tell where this game was going and it wasn't going to be scoring four. Yeah, I shouldn't need to rely on my team to score four goals to win a game. Like, honestly, they could have scored two on Friday and won the game, but. They didn't want to show up. Their goalie did. Their goalie gave them a chance to not have to score four and win. Is what it is, I guess. Yep. Well, let's send this over to our sponsor. Let's send it over to good old DraftKings. Talk about some sports betting. Nick will do a wonderful ad read. And then we're going to go talk to a great person about hockey. And I'm pretty excited about this. Because it's going to be a complete change of pace from how depressed we sound talking about these last two games. So, Nick, go read that ad. All right, right now. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with the code THPN. New customers bet just 5 bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Only problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age based by jurisdiction, Born in Ontario, bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. CDKNG.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. All rights reserved. All right, we are back with our guest, Devin. Hockey with Devin. Uh, tell everybody who you are, what you do. I just found you through Twitter because uh, we're you know, Red Wings community. I saw you were, you're local here in Grand Rapids now, right? Sir, still? Sure am, yep. Born and raised. Give us a whole life story. <laughs> a whole life story. Well, yeah, like I said, born and raised Grand Rapids. Grew up with Red Wings posters and wallpaper and whatnot in my room. Just kind of, you know, I I, I love hockey on my own accord, but I definitely had it uh, handed to me as a very young uh, kid. Was skating by like three years old. I would joke that I stopped playing hockey when I stopped growing and nobody else did. So I always, uh, I've, I've always been you know, a hockey fan, a hockey person. Yeah, I went to uh, East Kentwood, East Kentwood High School. If you're from the Grand Rapids area, I think you've heard of that school one way or another. Mike Knubel went there. That's like the UK's hockey like claim to fame as Mike Knubel played hockey there. And uh, yeah, I graduated from there. went to Western Michigan University for some time. That's where I started to kind of really hone in on writing journalistically and Kind of figuring out what I wanted to do with this this love for this sport uh, I have, and then after I uh, finished up in Kalamazoo, uh, found my way back here. I uh, have been writing um, about the Red Wings for one outlet or another since 2018, I believe. Been with the Hockey Riders. That's where I'm at currently. I have been so writing the whole, for them that whole time with the the bad era for the Wings. You had to cover. <laughs> 
Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, I I also do uh, I also do my own little podcast um, with an unfortunate unfortunate name because uh, we share it with another very well known podcast uh, podcast that you know because you guys were just on it. But uh, no, I was just joking on our most recent episode that when we started that podcast up, it was late 2020 heading into 2021. And, you know, there was definitely a time where winning 30 games was like, yeah, this is a great year. Let's let's be excited. <laughs> and now they're they're on pace for 40 wins and people are kind of like bummed out about it because they're not like playoff caliber. So, yeah, a lot has changed since I started writing about this team. Obviously, I've, you know, I've been watching them since since the 2000. I mean, since before the 2002 team, but that was probably my first like real ingrained memory was seeing that 2002 team win the cup i've gone to a lot of griffins games of course i'm on this podcast i you know like i said from grand rapids so i've been to plenty of griffins games and yeah so i've i i remember the glory days but since i've been like an active participant in the community one way or another it's been uh the dog days so you know i know like i said we're a little disappointed that it doesn't look like playoffs are in the cards right now but uh, I'm just excited that we're saying the P word and it's not like tongue in cheek right now. Right. Yeah. I've been on the verge of, uh, do I save for playoff tickets? Do I not with this team? And then uh, I, I mean, there, there's the bank account still always there. It's still always saving, but uh, <laughs> it does minimize <laughs> the certain games of going. I'm like, Oh yeah, that would have been a cool one to check out. But yeah, you know, try to save for the playoffs. Cause I think we're back in kind of close to spot for the, for the wings. But yeah, absolutely. But the things we want to talk more about is uh, I saw one of your last articles of who's ready for the Red Wings. And I think this is there's so much spotlight on our prospects of like Kosa, Simon, Berggren. I mean, eh, Trey Augustine. Uh, and then we got Polika over at the other side. And so you cover a lot of the prospects and what's coming up. We say we say it a lot of who's ready, who's not. But you wrote a piece where you've got uh, Albert Johansson, Simon, and Berggren all ready to make that jump. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, not a lot of hot takes in there, I know. but <laughs> No, not a whole lot of hot takes. And we, we're both with you on the on the Berggren fact. I mean, he played a so, ton of games last year with Detroit, found himself back here. Why do you think that is? Probably a number of things, honestly. If you were to, like, trap... Derek Malone in a room and ask why he isn't on the team. I'm sure he'd give you a, a full, fully thought out, fully uh, fleshed out idea of why he's not on the team. I, I think it's, I think it's a couple of things. First, it's a numbers game, right? They they brought in a number of veterans, um, and then you know a month later they brought in Patrick Kane. You look at the lineup and it's like there's just no, there's no room for him. And if you were going to put him in, it's in the fourth line. And at this point, you probably want him playing higher than the fourth line. You want him playing third line minimum preferably second, maybe even first line, just to really make use of his toolkit, right? He's a playmaker. He, he makes things happen, and he's not as able to do that when he's playing with, you know, no offense to these guys, but Valeno and Christian Fischer and Michael Rasmussen, those guys aren't, you know, offensively tilted players. You'd rather see him play with a Lucas Raymond or Comfer, even Dabrinka, you know, Larkin. Those are the guys you'd like to see him play with because they can, you know, take a, our Bergen pass and do something with it right and that's and i think that's kind of the other part of it too is it's it's that old cliche of what's what's better 20 minutes a night in grand rapids or eight minutes a night in detroit and um right now for better or for worse he's kind of he's, he's better off playing 20 minutes a night in grand rapids i'm of the opinion they probably should have left a spot for him because i 
you know, he didn't blow, blow set the world on fire last year in Detroit, but he looked good more often than yeah. not, I think. And when you when you have a player that's young and shows promise like that, I think you want to feed into it, not send him back to a place where he set the rookie scoring record. I just don't think he has anything to prove at this level. I mean, good on him for, you know, taking the assignment and still playing well enough to where he's an AHL all-star now. There's other players that would have taken that a lot more, uh, a lot poorly than Berggren did. Um, and I commend him for that. But sooner or later, this dude's got to come up into the NHL because he's, you see it on a nightly basis in the AHL. He's just better than 95% of players that are in that league. So I have a two-part question for you on, the, on, on Jonathan Berggren. Do you see him staying with this organization then? Right now, yes. But I also, it's, you know, ask me again in a month and it might be different. It's, it's, it's one of those things where let's, let's see where the Red Wings are at, right? If they're in a position to where they can buy uh, Berggren's going to be a nice piece in a trade pack trade package. It's just kind of the fact of the matter. He's, he's a piece you can put in there and really uh, tantalize another team. But if they're in a spot where they're going to be selling off assets, then yeah, you make room for Berggren. You let him come in. You let him be a youthful uh, piece that propels the team forward when you uh, get rid of a veteran. Who do you Go think ahead. they move? <laughs> in, in that scenario <laughs> where, they're, where they're sending people yeah. away? Uh, I, any, what do you see him out <laughs> Anybody He's got to take a spot, so. Right, and, and that's the thing, too, because I just kind of talked about how you can't just, like, get rid of a fourth liner and be like, oh, there's a spot, because that's the whole, that's kind of the right. whole point of why he's not there in the first place. Anybody that's on a one-year deal or an expiring contract, I think, is is very much a possibility. I'm, I, I've been really pressed with Daniel Sprong this year, but I could see him being a guy that gets dealt away, because a contender will see cheap offensive depth and throw something nice for it. Even Patrick Kane. You know, it, kind of in a limbo state with him. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Um, I think there will be a contender that's at least interested in him. That's a spot for Berggren. Um, yeah, I, I maybe even Robbie Fabry. Uh, you can kind of go up and down the lineup. There's there's definitely some guys that are entrenched. There's no way in, in a million years they're going to uh, be sent away. But then there's some guys where it's like, eh, maybe this year, maybe next year. David Perron's another one that just came to mind. Um, there are options. It's just a matter of whether or not it makes sense and whether or not removing them from the lineup is conducive to then adding Berggren into it. Do you think if they don't make a spot for him that he's demanding a trade next year? Yeah, I think if he's not seeing regular playing time by the end of this season, I think he, his agent, whatever, goes to Steve Eisman and says, we either need a plan for me to... We, we need a plan for me to play in the NHL next season, whether that's in Detroit or somewhere else. Because, you know, even, even the people that talk about him potentially being a trade, uh, trade piece, they always kind of make sure to comment that he hasn't asked for a trade yet. They kind of say, you know, it, it seems like it's heading in that direction. He would much prefer to be in the NHL, wouldn't we all? But he mm-hmm. hasn't submitted a formal request. I don't think he is there yet. I think he does enjoy this organization. I think he has a lot of guys around him he enjoys playing with. It seems like he gets along with Edmondson, Soderblom, the rest, like, you know, just the the army of Swedes they have in Grand Rapids. And so it's, you know, it's, it's kind of that thing where, like, you'll stick in a in a crappy situation because you like who you work with, right? I think that's I kind that of that for a long time with Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> See, exactly. Case in point. I, I think Berggren's kind of in that spot right now. He'd much prefer to be somewhere else, but it's not that he dislikes Grand Rapids or dislikes being a Griffin. It's just there's there's somewhere else that he has been that he'd prefer to be. But at least in the meantime, he's got some friends to uh, 
make his current situation not as bad as it could be. Yeah, it's weird. There was like a weird stretch where he was doing like post-game interviews and stuff, and he looked like distraught to still be here. He did not look happy for a minute. Then he had that most recent call up again in Detroit, and as soon as he came back down, he's got a much calmer attitude about him, at least when he's you know off the ice, on the ice. He's been really fiery lately, but yeah. <laughs> he seems a lot more relaxed. So maybe there was a talk while he was up there with somebody, and it's like, hey, this is there is a plan. Be patient, go play your game, do your thing. Cause he's just been doing his thing down here now. And I haven't heard much of that, like monotone, like I'm better than everybody else answer that I get. I've seen him give in the past. I've actually seen him be, you know, talkative in the media. So hopefully that's a positive sign, but I think you're a hundred percent spot on If If he doesn't have a for sure spot at the end of the season, there's going to be an interesting conversation to have between an agent and a GM there. Yeah. Because, because if it's not, you know, let's, let's just even, look big picture right let's let's say it's not going to be in detroit let's say you know they they don't want to trade him because they see value in value in him as a young forward a young asset he can just go back to sweden like it's he has he has options it's not just north america right and he'd probably play premier time a, a premier uh in a premier role that's what i'm trying to say um in sweden wherever he would go so i don't know like, whenever it comes to europeans that like kind of get bogged down in a uh, in a system for one reason or another it always it's always kind of interesting to me because they have options you know and it's not to say that other players don't but they're they're over here they're they're not in their homeland you know they're their mom and dad is like you know six time zones away I, i'm sure they would prefer to be closer to home closer to where they can speak their native language but they're here because it's a better opportunity it's a opportunity for them to realize their dream of playing in the nhl and playing for a stanley cup but if that opportunity is not there for them you know like like any any anybody else in any sort of industry i'd, I'd go home you know yeah and i think that my girlfriend might shoot me for this one so be prepared but i think that's where we might be trending towards with an elmer soderblom type situation here like i don't think he's going to get that shot in detroit anytime soon and it'll be interesting to see I, he just kind of looks like he just is, is here he's not He's not the Elmer that we saw come into the first game of the season and try the between the legs move in front of the net five times in a row. Like he's just been here. So I could definitely see him being a guy that's like, yeah, I'm going to go back home. I know I dominated in leagues over there. I'm twice the size of everybody over there. I'm going to go be back home and have fun and play the game I love, but be back by my family. I, I think that's a real possibility with him. Yeah, I like the uh, the Soderblom call out. Uh, and I liked what you guys were talking about in the last episode where he might be a guy that kind of plays to his competition because yeah, I mean, like you said, in Detroit, you know, he he makes the uh, he makes the roster out of training camp, and he looks good doing it too. It's not like he's just kind of uh, an extra guy that looked decent. No, he looked real good. And then he's in Detroit. It looks like he's he's going to be a physically imposing fourth line guy, bottom six guy even. He's trying those things, doing those between the legs things, and he's he's doing what you know made fans excited about him. And then he goes back down to Grand Rapids and kind of looks like Bambi on the on the ice just it's not it doesn't know what he's doing doesn't know like all of a sudden it's, it's like his mechanics are gone there are times where he looks like you know the six foot eight giant hockey player he is and he realizes he can dominate on any given night and then other nights more often than not it's like he's he's not sure where he's supposed to be what he's doing and I'm not sure if that's a him thing I'm not sure if that's a coaching thing I'm not sure What's going on there? But the Soderblom we're looking at on a night-to-night basis right now is not the guy that made the opening night lineup last season in Detroit. See, I wondered if it was coaching too last season with Ben Simon, but then seeing a guy like Dan Watson come in who kind of operates like Derek Lalone and seeing the same result. 
and the Bambi comparison. Oh, that's just perfect. I haven't even thought of that for all season. That's fantastic. <laughs> the only other thing I could think of is maybe giraffe and ice skates. I mean, just giraffe, because of yeah. how, how tall he is. But yeah, Bambi that. I mean, because he is, you know, a little bit younger. Well, you were talking about people kind of going back to Sweden. I, I looked up Patas Andreas and he came from Sweden last year, uh, diverted back this year. And just to see what his stats are compared this year of how he's doing in uh, the SHL. He's got five goals, eight assists, uh, 13 points. He's still minus nine. Last year with Grand Rapids, 12 goals, 13 assists. And he was a minus 20. But like everybody, like the minus is not a great thing. Um, one, because it's a negative. But also, like we talked on Grand Light, it's, it's not a true comparison. Everybody on the team last year was a negative. So, but to talk about a positive is Albert Johansson leading the demon you you said he's ready to take that next step how how do you with simon and albert let's group those two guys together because they've been playing a lot on the same line like how do you get them up to the nhl who can we clear how does and then on our end like if we lose these guys okay Beargrin, albert simon up to the nhl this year who's who's replacing them because we don't have anybody ready behind that because you, I mean, like, I, I think that's a great question because it groups everything in for you. Because you're watching the prospects, you're watching Detroit and a little bit of the Griffins. I threw a lot at you. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you're good. No, I, and I think that's maybe the, the layer that kind of gets missed when we talk about this, this thing, because, you know, in a perfect world, you know, all the kids would be up and they'd all be flourishing and, you know, the revenues would be like $20 million under the salary cap because all their guys are on entry-level contracts. So that's not reality, right? And and the whole uh, the whole reason why they made the coaching switch, the whole reason why they've, they've kind of, they've kept a lot of their young guys in Grand Rapids is because they want Grand Rapids playing for the playoffs. That's important, not just, you know, for the market here in Grand Rapids, but also that's important for the players. It's important to play uh, meaningful hockey games and to go and to, and to go into a season that has legitimate expectations of that and to have to live up to them that's that's why it's not as simple as you know the Romans are going to call up Berger and they're going to call up Edvinson they're going to call up Johansson and let the Griffins deal with it that's not what that's not you know as much as I, I believe all three of those players are good to go that's not necessarily the right way to approach the situation because exactly who who replaces them and then are you then basically punting on the idea of uh had to throw a football reference in there considering what the day is uh punting on the griffins uh playoff hopes and that's not what they want to do right that's kind of that's uh that goes against what their their goals are here i believe so here's the thing i think we know just off of the 11 games he's played in the nhl that edvinson can play in the nhl how good is he right now maybe that's the debate um, where should he play? What's the best way to use him? You know, that's that's stuff we can talk about um, for hours on end. But at the end of the day, I think we can all agree he's an NHL caliber player that's in the AHL. Johansson's the one that's interesting to me because Johansson not only is older than Edmondson, I think he just turned 23. He's from the same draft class as Cider. Cider's been Cider's in his third season in the NHL, right? And we talk about him as like a young guy. He's and he is young, but Johansson's the exact same age, and he hasn't played a single NHL game yet. He reportedly was very close to getting a call up last season. Um, and then he went down with that season and season ending injury. And that obviously uh, changed the plan. Um, I think he's more or less back to where he was last season when they were talking about calling him up. 
are thinking about it, I should say. And you, you know, you mentioned he's kind of like the uh, the leader on the back end there, which is really good to see. Outside of obviously Didier, has the, who's the captain, but maybe that's just an, an age thing. Like I said, he's older than Edvidsson, he's older than Wallander. He's he's just kind of the uh, elder statesman there. But he's he's another guy that I think needs to get a look. I I don't think he needs to go. I don't think he needs like twenty games in the NHL. He he you, you can give him nine, I think, and that's fine. You just need to uh, see what you've got. I think I think not only do you do the, do the Red Wings need to see what they have in him as a prospect but he needs to see that there is like a legitimate shot yeah exactly a legitimate a legitimate chance for him to be an nhl if he's going to be an ahler for the red wings that's like what they want him to be for him i'm sure he'd prefer to go somewhere where he has a shot to be an nhler right we it kind of goes back to the idea of he can go to sweden right now and play 20 minutes a night but he's here because he believes he has a chance to be a part of the Red Wings future. And I do too. I think he's actually one of the more underrated prospects in the Red Wings pool because you talk about Edvinsons and Pelicas and they deserve that chatter because of what they can do and whatnot. But Johansson's just one of those really quiet, calm two-way guys that can play either side of the blue line. I think that's a uh, kind of a in for him in terms of how they can get him into the lineup because he can play both sides. If a lefty or a righty goes down, you can fit him in there. And he, he, he's not he's not kind of a boomer bust player, I would call. I, I think of Edvinson as a boomer bust player. He's he's at his best when he's making things happen. He's at his best when he's being aggressive. You don't want to see a passive Edvinson. That means he's not playing to his who is to his strengths. <laughs> we we saw that this weekend. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, specifically. Whereas Johansson isn't isn't that. I think Johansson can be just as good when he's just taking care of business business in his own end as he is when he's trying to facilitate things in the offensive end. He's he's really got that two-way calm factor to his game that I think can translate in a top role spot or a bottom or a top line spot, I should say, or a bottom pairing spot. It's just a matter of how uh, they want to go about using him. I know that, that that's a long question. I gave a long answer, and I think I might have only touched on like two-thirds of it. But <laughs> <laughs> No, that, that's okay. But you brought up an interesting point. You know, it's time to show him, like, there is an end goal here to get him up there. My biggest fear with Albert Johansson is this turns into a Jared McIsaac situation where he's here for a long period of time and then misses that window to get into the NHL. Because, you know, there was a point in time, it's hard to believe right now, but there was a point in time where Jared McIsaac definitely could have made that jump. But the team in front of him just was too stacked. and, And now he looks to be buried here, unfortunately, for him. And I think it shows in his play, like, he doesn't know what the end goal is. Because we saw glimmers of great Jared McIsaac play at the end of last season when Stephen Camper got traded. McIsaac stepped up in that leadership role in a big way. And then this season, he's not getting a shot either. And obviously, the, the play that's matching it, I mean, half the time he's not playing right now. He played his first game in a month last night. So I really hope that's not what we end up doing in this case either, because I, I truly agree with you. Albert Johansson is ready to take that next step. I think he just needs to be shown what's possible. So hopefully by trade deadline, some moves can be made and we can get him at least at nine games. Yeah, I agree. Good good, uh, good call out with uh, McIsaac too. I think that's a really good comparison there. I've, I've always kind of thought of him as like defensive Svechnikov, Evgeny Svechnikov meaning, because that's a guy who had a lot of promise, was, you know, highly rated in his draft class. Robbins took McIsaac in the second round of the 2018 draft, had a lot of promise and then injuries, just one after another. And it just derailed every all bits of promise. Svechnikov obviously was able to get into the NHL and play some games. McIsaac hasn't done that, but you just look at McIsaac and 
you know, like you said, last season, you saw those glimmers of promise. You saw why they picked him in the second round. But man, it's you just kind of think what in, in an alternative universe, an alternate universe where McIsaac never dealt with those injuries. Where's he at? What's he what's he look like? Is he is he in any jail right now? Is he at the very least he's playing every night in Grand Rapids, right? He's not on the in, in and out. Unfortunately, we're not in that reality, right, boys? Yeah, exactly. And it's unfortunate because he's a great guy, and he was a, so, such a talented talent that they drafted there. I loved that pick. And, yeah, injuries, it killed it. It's crazy. Yeah, because I'm getting a little – I'm looking at the draft, uh, the last previous draft picks, and, I mean, you've got Shy Boy coming in probably yeah. next year. You've got my favorite, Anton Johansson. I'm hoping he gets paired up with Albert johansson next year if they're if they're both here <laughs> and we still have andrew gibson in the Sioux, who could potentially make his jump over here next year and then you still have palika who yeah. is probably going to pass grand rapids <laughs> and make his way right to detroit so i mean there's there's people coming in probably next year that's going to replace but i see this huge log jam up in detroit and everybody's saying ship petrie ship charat ship and I'm like, you can't. They're actually playing really well right now. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you don't want Albert Johansson. Do you want him on the third line D? <laughs> do you want Simon on the third line D? Like, d- these are. It's a huge logjam. I don't know what Steve was thinking this year with signing everybody. You know, it's. <laughs> I guess it's a good thing. It's it's always good to have depth, right? No one's gonna be like, nah, you don't need that much depth. What are, what are you talking about? But it's it's just the context of where the Red Wings are, right? It's it's one thing if you're adding a bunch of depth and a bunch of veterans if you're a perennial playoff contender and you're expecting to go on a run. It's another if you're still very much in a rebuild and you even call it that. You're still accumulating young assets, young players, young prospects, but there's no way that any of them can play because you've added so many veterans that like you, you've just stuck yourself into a corner. Um, I think flexibility is one of the biggest assets any general manager can have, any team can have, really. And usually when you talk about flexibility, people you think cap, you think salary. Um, and that's very much a source of flexibility, but there's also just roster spots and roster, you know, who's on the roster, who's not. Before Patrick Kane signed, they had that one, they had 22 out of 23 roster spots. Uh, so they had an extra spot they could have given to somebody. And I, I liked that because... Um, at any given moment, they could have rewarded somebody with a call-up or um, they could have finagled their roster a little bit, sent somebody down, called two guys up or whatever. The roster wasn't set in stone so much as it is now where, like you said, yeah, maybe trade Petrie, but A, he's actually doing okay now, and B, uh, it takes two to tango, right? You you can't just like send Petrie to Pittsburgh if Pittsburgh doesn't want him. You can't send Petrie to where like you got to have somebody who wants him and is willing to give something that is worthwhile to uh to detroit i don't think they're moving petrie for future considerations i I think they'd want something of actual value and that gets into the crux of it right because then now no who's left uh olimata maybe maybe Justin Justin hall they just signed so like i don't think so but also crazier things have happened goss despairs on a one-year deal so he's a little bit in a different scenario but yeah, I I could uh I could live with them re-signing Ghost for one reason or another, um and then you have Wallman and Sider who are definitely not going anywhere. So you're just kind of stuck. Like you have one, maybe two guys you can actually move to make room for Johansson and Edmondson, but then you get into does it make sense to move them? 
does it make sense to move Edvinson and Johansson up from Grand Rapids and weaken their blue line? This, you know, this is why not not anybody's just a GM, right? This is why <laughs> uh, everybody on Twitter is a GM. That's I'm confused with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this this is why not every GM, every uh, uh, GM is successful, right? <laughs> Exactly. But I mean, you bring up a good point there. You know, you talk about the log jam and, you know, the ghost would be a good re-signing. I agree with you there. And then we have Hall and Sherratt for a few more years and it'll depend on how easy they are to move at some point. Is it, you know, something where we got to look at these guys get packaged up to get these prospects might get packaged up together for someone that's going to generate some more offense for this already offensive uh, powerhouse Red Wings team that we've built this year. I mean, Debrinket obviously helped a ton. Patrick Kane's on a tear, but are we going to be able to package up an Albert Johansson with something and turn it into more scoring? I mean, that's a reality we have to face as fans, unfortunately. Like, who could we possibly trade for that? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's. I think everybody's kind of in agreement that the Red Wings need to make another big move. Their current mix is is fine. Nine out of ten points in January, right? So as of this recording, I know they're about to play Toronto, but there's there's just too many too many uh, areas where you can. They just need to improve. Uh, and there's really no way around it. Um, Alex Lyon's been great, but he needs help. Huso and Reimer haven't been enough of a help. You could definitely make an argument they need to go out and make a big deal for a goalie. Um, defense, you know, like, like I've said, it's it's kind of Wallman and Sider and everybody else. Sometimes the other guys step up and play well, but I think on a night-to-night basis, you can count on those two guys, and then everybody else is a maybe. So maybe you'd like to get another guy who you can really count on. I don't think you should move an Edvinson to make that happen, but you can maybe package a Johansson, a Berggren, and a pick, and you're going to get Trevor Zegers. Uh, yeah, Trevor Zegers, yeah, he's, he's not going to help on the defensive end, but boy, would he be fun. Maybe can outscore their defensive problems at that point. But yeah, at That's the very what least, we've been doing. Yeah, I know, exactly. You can get, yeah. uh, help your cause even more. Maybe uh, at the very least with a package like that, you can get like a really solid veteran that's on an expiring deal. I think of like a Chris Tanev from uh, the Calgary Flames. But then you go into, does it make sense to do that? You know, there's still a rebuilding team. Um, yeah. Does it make sense to trade young guys to bring in a veteran that will help this season? And maybe not after that. I would argue it doesn't. But also, I completely understand the desire to push for the playoffs and the desire to, you know, give them every every chance, every opportunity, every uh, yeah, every chance they have to uh, to make that push. So you did post that question of Tre- this Trevor Zegris. I, I want to know. I I didn't get a chance to be able to take a look at it. What 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 are you uh, what are you thinking here? What do you who are you want to give up? Walk us through it. So my my thinking there is it a good idea or a bad idea? My, my, thinking, <laughs> my thinking there is that at the very least, you have to make a phone call, right? Players like Zegers don't usually um, enter the trade or uh, end up on the trade block. We don't even know if he's actually on the trade block. It's just rumors right now. And I would wager that given Steve Eisenman and Pat Verbeek's relationship, if he is in the trade block, Eisenman knows and he knows exactly why he's shopping him. So maybe he already knows if he has interest. Maybe he already knows exactly what kind of deal this this could look like. But I, I guess without knowing that, obviously I don't I don't claim to know what Ezerman's thinking at or what he knows at any given point. I would I would at least make a phone call and say, hey, what what are you thinking here? What's what's uh you know what's this going to look like? Because my my thought with it is, Zegers brings a lot of what Patrick Kane brings, and he's twelve years younger than Patrick Kane. Obviously, less injuries too. 
Yeah, less injuries, <laughs> less stuff. You know, like, like it'd be cool to see uh, Patrick Kane stick around. There's talk. I've seen a lot of people talk about like a three-year deal to get him uh, retained, and that'd be great. But we're talking about him at 36 and 37 and 38. I would rather a Zegra set 23, 24, and for another decade beyond that. They're both very creative. They're both, you know, not so great in the defensive zone. Both players you use for what they do in the offensive zone, and that's really all there is to it. Zegras also, he's a center, but also he can move over to the wing. I, I think uh, a one, two, three, four punch down the middle of uh, Larkin, Zegras, Danielson, Casper would be, oh my gosh, a lot of fun. And there's obviously flexibility for all, all those guys to move over to the wing at some point. But you give yourself flexibility, you give yourself youth, you give yourself skill. A proven player. A proven player, right? A marketable player too. I know that jersey would fly off of shelves as soon as that deal goes down. Um, At least for Michigan fans. Yes, right. And and also, yeah, the guy who like popularized <laughs> the Michigan. Yeah, let's let's get that guy on the Michigan NHL team, right? What what would a deal look like? My thinking, you know, they just traded uh, Jamie Drysdale to acquire um, Cutter Gauthier from Philadelphia Flyers. I guess my thinking is maybe they now have an open spot on defense, or they have a, a need for a defenseman, and the Red Wings have a ton of them. I I, I wouldn't give them Edmondson. I, I just wouldn't. I, that's a non-starter for me. Even in a Zegers deal, I, and that's and that's that's my argument. I think when you're in the duck spot where they have a lot of really good forwards, they have a lot of really good prospects. They can afford to take a piece like Zegers and kind of turn a dollar into four quarters, so to speak. Yeah. Um, you can get a Berggren, you can get a Johansson, you can get picks, and you can get, you know, maybe a Robbie Fabry, maybe you know, maybe a uh, a uh, Amada or something like that. Just just a uh, a veteran that can plug in for a couple of years and will even out the money and whatnot. And then you're getting good, not like blue chip prospects. Berggren would, I think, play for them immediately. Would probably step right into Zegers' spot, honestly, and that would be his way to play. And then Johansson um, would be a nice little uh, addition for them as well. Would not like to see those guys go because I like both of them a lot. I think they fit in with just the litany of Swedes they have assembled over the last couple of years. But if I'm staring at a deal of Trevor Zegers for, you know, a pick, maybe maybe a first, Berggren, uh, Johansson, and Mata, I'm I'm at least thinking about it. You know, I, I I'm not gonna say I pull the trigger, but I'm gonna sit on it for a couple hours and see how I feel about it. Because, like I said, players like Zegers don't become available that often. Yeah, I, I like yeah, that I, package. I, I mean, I don't like to see Albert gone because I I'm starting to really like him as a player. But um, I mean, Bergy, Mata, <laughs> I I want to see the Albert and Al, Albert Johansson and Anton Johansson line together. So my question about that is, let's let's say that uh, Anton does come over next season, and let's say Albert's still in Grand Rapids. Um, how do you differentiate them on their jerseys beside their number? Because they're both a Johansson. What do they <laughs> What do they have to do on their names to like differentiate themselves? <laughs> and the name's too long already, so they can't do second letter of first name. So. I... <laughs> <laughs> All signs point to Albert Johansson being in the NHL at that point, then. Exactly. Bob <laughs> and Larry already have a problem with uh, uh, Amadeus Lombardi and Marco Casper because they confuse the two of them all the time, and it throws me off. And I'm like, I know, like they they're, they're on the ice quite a bit together right now uh, with the power play, but and their numbers are 92 and 93, so it's there's yeah. same height, like it's it's tough. Um, <laughs> I want to wrap on just 
maybe maybe wrap on just these last two questions for you so i do there were two questions that did get called in specifically for you devin i i think you'll you'll be ready for these so which prospect are you more excited about simon evanson or axel sandine pelica i have a feeling i know what the next one's gonna be you're probably right (laughs) (laughs) so i'm excited about both for different reasons right evanson's obviously a lot closer to the nhl so i think there's a lot of excitement there um but i liked a so i happened to run a poll on this exact question actually and i got a comment that i i actually really like and it really uh i think explains why people should be very excited about axel sandin pelica um and it's just there's really no other prospect in their pool that's like him um they've really stuck to getting big skilled defensemen on the back end Evanson's kind of like the pro evanson and cider are like the prototype of like what they've been looking for on that blue line and it's good great you know five years from now that blue line's going to be freaking scary to play against but then there's actual sending pelico who's under six feet tall is the shifty offensively minded you know just blue chip high high upside i i'd say you know i talk about uh edmondson being a boomer bust player i'd say pelica is kind of a uh boomer bust prospect for more reasons than one but it's just there's just not many prospects in their pool that look like him that play like him and just do what he does it's He's like the Lombardi on defense. Yeah, no, literally, that's a really good, uh, really good comparison. I'd say and it's just, it's just so fitting to me that that's the prospect that they got when they traded Philip Roenick because they do a lot of the same things, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and he just kind of fits a bit better than Roenick would have because you know there's the big check exodus of 2023 in this last off season. Roenick was kind of the start of well, Roenick and Brano were the start of that, and then Zadina kind of joined them and Kubalik as well um but then there's all these swedes that are in the wings waiting right there's raymond on the team already uh pelica's just gonna have all of his buddies right he's he's just gonna gel with those guys he just and he's obviously younger he's only 18 19 whereas heronic's not exactly old but he's just gonna fit with the future core better than heronic would have and like i said they play it very similarly so great to kind of swap one player for basically the exact same guy the only thing we won't be able to get is that handlebar mustache yes. from Polito. R- so RIP the, the handlebar. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the one thing I'm going to miss the most. So, second part of that question, uh, which prospect are you more excited about, Trey Augustine or Sebastian Cosa? All right. Uh, I... You just pull these right off of your poll. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really, really like Sebastian Cosa, guys. Um, and there's there's a lot of reasons why. Part of it, honestly, is because so many people are dogging on him because of what Wallstead's doing. And even even when, even you know, a year after the pick was made, oh, they should have picked Wallstead. And something about that that uh, just makes me gravitate to Cosa more. I really want to see that guy succeed. And he also, like, he just has the physical. He's, to me, him and Augustine are kind of polar opposites, but maybe not 100%. Uh, Augustine, to me, is kind of like the safe. He he plays within himself. He's not huge, but he's not small. He's going to be, like, the technically sound guy who, like, relies on his technique to make saves. And as long as he, like, plays within himself, he's going to have success. He's doing really well for the Spartans right now in Michigan State. But he's not, like, he doesn't have the level of potential that Kosa does. Even now to this day, I think Kosa still has potential to be like a top five goalie in the NHL. He's just got that raw potential and he, he's he's a he's an athletic goalie. He 
he has technique and maybe that's his his weakness is that he's still kind of mastering tech his technique or at least the technique that he's being taught but he's just got the physical tools he's athletic as all can as all can be he's uh I, I I think in his prime, Costa's going to look a lot like Dominic Hasek, and I don't mean that to be like he's going to be one of the best goalies of all time. It's just when you watched Hasek back in the day, he would like he'd be flailing around, he'd have his arms going up, his legs would be in the air, and he's like he's making saves nobody has business making, and he's just relying on his instincts, pure, pure instincts, his pure athleticism to just get his body in front of the puck. And I think that's what the type of goalie that Costa is. Costa is going to be more fun to watch than Augustine, I think for better or for worse, because there's going to be a, a wide variety of uh, results with him. But if he hits, man, I, he's, he's going to be, uh, he's, he's going to be their Vasilevsky that, you know, compare one Eisenman drafted goalie to another one. Whereas Augustine, I think can be like a Jimmy Howard, a really solid goalie that can be a starter for a long time, but is never going to be like, Oh, he's, he's a top five guy. He might, he might break the top 10 on a given season, he might even be the team's MVP, but I don't think he has that same raw potential that Kosa does, and then that's what excites me so much about uh, about Kosa. And that's why I'm so excited that he's he's playing pretty well this season in Grand Rapids. I think his his stat line is a little deceiving for anybody that just kind of looks at box yeah. scores. You remove one or two games where the team as a whole was just not there, uh, Kosa's numbers look even better than they do right now. Man, you made me so happy with all that Kosa hype right there. That's that's my guy. I'm I'm big on the Kosa hype train, and uh, I know everybody else isn't. And I try to go to defend him at every point in time I can. But man, <laughs> that uh, all that right there made me happy. And those are some great comparisons to what their potential is too. I 100% agree. You know, we had uh, one of my buddies, Tyler Kuehl, who writes for M Live on here, and he he brought up a good point when it comes to college goaltenders: is they could look really good in college. A Philip Larson is the best comparison, yeah. I think. And they come to the pros, and it just does not go well. But I think what the organization shown is patience. That's what we're seeing with Kosa. That's what we're seeing with everybody else is patience. And I think Augustine will get that same treatment. And I think he'll end up doing really well at some point too. And I mean, down the road, who knows? In you know six, seven years, that could be the one-two punch in Detroit. That's names on a trophy one day. We'll we'll see. I I personally think that's the. Uh the desired outcome of having them both. I, I think when the, when they first picked Augustine, I think a lot of people were quick to, uh, I mean, I'll even admit it, I was guilty of it too. Oh, wow. Are they like cooling on Costa this quickly? They, they just like kind of got their, uh, their plan B there by picking Augustine, you know, six months later, kind of taking a step back. I think that's the desired outcome. I think they want an Allmark and Swayman situation. Maybe, you know, Swayman and Allmark are a bit further apart in age, but um, maybe that just means that uh, Omar or uh, Kosa and uh, Augustine will be even better because they'll be together for longer. And they'll have more to relate on. They'll be even more of a a, a buddy duo together, hopefully. I like yeah, that. I like that. I like it a lot. I, I think of like Chris Osgood when he had a legacy kind of thing, one-two punch right there. Um, not that the styles are similar, but um, yeah, I like that. I, I'm hoping... I get to see Trey Augustine this weekend, uh, both okay. games, Michigan and um, at state so, or at state first and then at Michigan. So I'm excited to see how he plays uh, with that crazy crowd. Um, Brandon, uh, you mentioned too, you went to Western and that crazy crowd down there. So uh, we still need to get to a game down there. But uh, I think Brandon's got one more question, possibly. I just want to wrap this on your thoughts on Marco Casper. What do you think is the opportunity for him? Where do you think he ends up? Do you think he actually ends up as a, you know, two, three C at the Red Wings level? Or 
you think this is just that, you know, that year he's really trying to figure himself out and he's really trying to establish the North American game and we're probably not going to see him in Detroit for two to three, four years. I will say I, I do think this year is kind of his his adjustment year, his, his figuring out not only what it's like to play in North America, but also what it's like to live in North America, live by himself. I mean, he did that last year because he's from Austria, like played, played in Sweden. So he's, he's not necessarily not used to being by himself, but you know, everyone here speaks English, right? And his English is pretty good, but it's, it's different when that's the only language you can speak and anybody can understand you. And just the rigmarole of professional hockey in North America. I think back to Lucas Raymond after his first season in the NHL, they asked him, you know, what was your the biggest kind of thing that stuck out to you about uh, your first NHL season? And he was, he was talking about how how taxing it is over the course of 82 games. It's just hard to hard to stay fresh for that long in that period. You're going to have games where you're just not there because you're tired and you just can't bring it every single game. I think that's what Casper's kind of learning this year because he, he didn't jump straight to the NHL like Raymond did. I think Casper... Casper excites me a lot because Casper is another one of those players that just brings something different to the lineup. They have a lot of skill guys in their lineup. The Red Wings already have a lot of skill guys in their lineup, and those are a lot of the guys that people are excited about. And Casper brings that that junkyard dog attitude to it, right? He's he's not afraid to get scrappy. He's a great two way forward. He's he's kind of a uh, he's he's so I I think yeah middle six center maybe even maybe even on the winger at some point. It, it, we'll see how Danielson develops. We'll see how um, Larkin continues to progress as he gets older. We'll see if they bring in somebody else. Like we talked about Zeris just a little bit ago, right? I think a lot of that stuff will dictate where Casper ultimately lands in the lineup. But I think it's a good thing that he is he, he is seemingly just as effective down the middle as he is on the wing. And it's it's... It's a good thing that he plays the way he does because I think he's gonna have he's gonna be a player that is used in all sorts of situations, whether it's the penalty kill, power play. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if years down the road he has a letter on his chest. He just I really like Casper. I think he's a uh, he's he's one of those guys who leads by example and just plays the game the right way and even isn't afraid to play the game the wrong way sometimes if that makes sense. He, he's he's a guy that uh, fans can get behind. He can, he kind of has a little bit of Tyler Bertuzzi in this game, where he's got some underrated skill, but he also has that scrappiness. Basically, if Tyler Bertuzzi was a center, that's kind of what I think of with Marco Casper. And uh, Bertuzzi obviously had a lot of success uh, during his time in the uh, Red Wings organization. So if he can, if Casper can emulate any of that, I think the Red Wings will be just fine. I guess my last thing to say there on that too is I've I've enjoyed watching Casper over the course of this season because I remember game one, he, I'm pretty sure he was the fourth line center. He was the third or fourth line center. And he was behind Lombardi and Gettinger. And that was like, like you know, heading into the season, I was fully expecting him to be the top line center and, you know, just kind of be like one of the go-to forwards on this team. So to see him settle in and start to look more and more like Marco Casper over the course of the season that makes me excited because I was a little not, not not super worried about him, but just like, oh geez, is is, is this uh, is this adjustment going to be a bit harder for him than maybe I thought? But so far, so good. You bring up yep. a good oh, point. Oh, that's a too, good take. That he's he's on that he's like that third line, fourth line. Him and Ammo have been swapping. Um, hopefully, it's just kind of spun me off on a different direction. But uh, <laughs> that'll be for later. <laughs> I have to put that in the notes. But go ahead, Brandon. What were you gonna say? I was just saying, no, that's a good take. I agree with that. And 
This is a. Uh, it's so funny because the stark contrast of this episode will be us talking about these two most recent games that were just absolutely atrocious for the Griffins, and then this conversation's made me feel so much better about so many different prospects that I'm like, oh my god, what is happening? So I love the contrast we'll get out of this. This is fantastic. So I think that's where we'll wrap up, though. Uh, Nick, did you have anything else you wanted to add, sir? No, just give Devin some space to, uh, you know, tell us what's what's you what what you got working on. Where can we find you, like physically, uh, to be able to meet? <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> it's been too long. We do need to like not too long. We've never met, uh, but to be able to meet, uh, have some beers, uh, be able to watch the game together, anything like that. Um, but yeah, just give the space to you, Devin. Uh, tell us. Well, uh, digitally, you can always find me on uh, Twitter X, whatever you want to call it. I think that's that's where you guys found me, right? At Hockey with Devin, I talk about the Red Wings too much sometimes. And then, uh, like I said, I write for the Hockey Writers. I got a sneak peek of what I'm working on. I am uh, knee deep in ranking the Red Wings' top 25 prospects at the midseason point. So be on the lookout for that. It's fun that we're here talking about prospects because now I'm like kind of thinking about what I've been thinking about the last like week or so. So yeah, you want to, uh, you want to tell us your top 25? <laughs> just <right laughs> this guy, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will, I'll, I'll uh, tell you that Kosa is on the list. That's as much as I will tell you. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, be on the lookout for that. As for in, in, uh, for physically, if you want to find me, um, I'm, I'm here, I'm there. Uh, I'm in the Grand Rapids area. If I'm uh, if I'm ever downtown, I usually I usually make it known. Yeah, maybe we'll uh, we'll have to meet up a Hopcat or something, or uh, meet up an intermission at Van Andel Arena. That sounds great to us. No, thank you for your time. Yeah, uh, I appreciate you. it. This is a busy uh, busy Sunday in Michigan with the Lions playing. So I appreciate you taking time out of your day to do this. This was a great conversation. Look forward to having you back on here in the future. Here, probably I have to look after that article comes out. I think that might be one we're all very interested to read. So uh, no, thank you again. We appreciate it, Devin. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank, thank you. you. So we are back. Thank you again, Devin. That was uh, a fantastic, fantastic interview. There was so great to talk about some of these prospects. Like I said, he's got me feeling I'm back down to earth, everyone. I'm I'm off the, oh my God, we were terrible train that we started this episode with and I'm back to normal. I promise. We should have recorded so, last night after the game. That would have been a, uh, that would have been interesting for the listeners. Oh, the contrast would have been even worse, but no, yeah, you thank you again. Yeah, it was, but uh, yes, everyone go find Devin on Twitter at hockey with Devin. Great guy. Love talking puck with him. That was fun. It was, uh, I can't wait to read that article too. The 25 top 25 prospects. That's going to be a fun one. That's going to yeah. be one we'll dissect too. And I think he knows that now. <laughs> yeah. We'll have him on right after to have him back up his uh, thoughts of for anything he couldn't put in there. So oh, that's good. Again, just one of the many guests we're trying to get on this podcast this year. So appreciate him. And uh, I know we'll have some more here in the future. It sounds like Tyler will be a recurring returning guest as well. It sounds like possibly for this Thursday episode. So stay tuned for that. But with Me that, the listeners, uh, you and the listeners. Okay. So with that, Nick, do you have anything else you want to add to this Monday episode? Go pack, go, go lions. Whoa, whoa. You don't start with go. No, we don't publicly say go pack, go. We just acknowledge the fact that they are throwing Dallas 41 to 16 at Dallas. Oh, like yeah. We don't say go pack, go. Cause they could possibly be an opponent in, later rounds for us so it'll be it'll be like two rounds later we're good but yeah go lions go pack love to see the cowboys america's (laughs) team getting crushed (laughs) 
guy. And, this uh, guy. But yes, thank you everyone for tuning into the Monday episode. We appreciate everyone. Hope everyone stayed safe this weekend, stayed warm, and stay warm this week. It's going to get even colder. Thank you to the Hockey Podcast Network for being fantastic partners with us. Thank you to DraftKings for being great sponsors. Thank you to Nick for making it through a live stream and a full recording. Appreciate you, sir. Everybody, have a great week. Go Lions, and we will talk to you all on Thursday. Love you. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Hockeytown West podcast. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at HockeytownWPod and your host, Nick at GR Hockey Guy and Brandon at Brandon GR Hockey.